out. Make us worthy of your kingdom. Don't let us fail. Thank you, Father. Pour out more of your graces and your mercy over our hearts and over our lives. May your name be praised forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Please have your seat. I don't want to preach to you this morning. I just want to read a report to you. And I hope you'll be blessed in Jesus' name. I want to read from Romans chapter 14, verse number 12. Romans chapter 14, verse number 12. I only want to read a verse there and expand on that verse. Romans 14, 12. So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. My prayer is that on the day of our account, may we not be found wanting. Somebody said, and I would like to repeat it. He said the only profession that you do here and that you do in heaven is proper accounting. It's accounting. You give yourself, if you want credibility, if you want responsibility, if you want sincerity, if you want honesty, you need to give account here. Every one of us, even though that's not our profession, yet we must be accountable. You must give account of yourself here. And when we get yonder, we'll give account of ourselves. I've been wondering how God will do that. Every one of us doesn't exclude anybody. Even the preacher and the priest. And everybody, we shall give account of ourselves to God. That's a wholesome task. That's billions of people. But God is God. He knows how we do it. When I'm not God saved, a woman confused me. I was a photographer. I take photos for people, professionally. And I have this member. She is a customer by then. And she said, it's a woman that married several husbands. So she used a, a loose life. But she's religious. So after, she know me as a photographer. Eventually, when I did freedom, and I profess that I'm born again, because after my freedom, I got born again. And I met her one day. She said, I have a photo. You are now a pastor. I said, not yet, but I'm a Christian now. I've given my life to Christ. Then she, she blotted out something. He said, you know, when we will see that God face to face, and he will want to send us to hell, me, I will not go hell. I said, madam, how did you know that? Ah, 
He said, I will jump over. I said, eh. He said, that's why I'm, I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I will commit so much sin that immediately God sights me. He will be so furious and angry that he will throw me beyond the fire. I that's what she said. With the little I knew then, I know she's deceiving herself. I told her, I said, God is not in the business of sending people to hell. No. It's not in the business of he will send you there. Ah, it's the work of your hand that will send you there. And I say he will so automate, he will put everything in automacy that it is your own feet you will walk there. He won't throw you because we are too many. How many will he throw? Or what tomorrow? I said, but you are the one that choose that place. You are the one that walk there. Ah, he said, Pastor, you are already preaching. I know you for photo before. Now you are preaching. I said, no, it's what you said that I'm trying to give you reply to. Unfortunately, that is true. May you not participate. May you not be part of that. May you not choose her. May you not walk to her. But the truth is this. That scripture is still true. Chapter 12, chapter 14, verse 12. Every one of us shall do what? We shall give account. You know, human nature will love the blame business. And why did you do that? It's so so and so that helped me. Why did you do that? It is so so and so that was showing me bad example. And why were you in that? And my parents did teach me where. And why was that happened to you? It's my friends who influenced me wrongly. We have excuse for everything. As you see it in the book of Genesis. If, why did you eat the fruit and you gave your husband? Uh, he said, Satan, no. And I know if God have asked Satan, he too will have something to say. Uh, Adam, why did you collect the fruit from your wife? This is what I warned you. Uh, you know women. Those of you who are women, may God save you from the foundation of the world. They have been blaming you. May that, no, my, may that blame not last forever. Okay, no problem, sir. I just want to read something to you. I title it, God Will Not Ask. And I have about 18 of them. That's what I want to read for you. If you like, you can copy it down. It's a food for thought. Every one of us shall give account of himself to God. That's the scripture. Number one, God will not ask where and how you got saved. But you would like to know how saved and transformed you remain throughout your life. Most of us, we remember the day we got saved. We remember the day we gave our life to Christ. But how saved did you remain? How godly did you remain? How Christ-like did you remain? How focused did you remain in serving God, in doing His way? The God who saved you out of nothing. Did you go back to those things? Did you backslide? Even though not physically, but in your heart. At least me, I can testify that there are a lot of people who got saved together, but they didn't remain saved. There are some I see them outside today. Ah, honey Francis. Are you seeing that your Jesus thing? 
I say I have no choice. Oh. That's where I will remain and die. Ah! You got saved, but you didn't remain saved. It's easy to come to church and not answer the altar call, but does it have meaning in your life? Does it change you? Were you transformed? Or you got to a point, ah, I was blind before when I was going to church. But you see, number two. God will not ask whether you had clothes, shoes, or latest fashion in town. But we'd like to know how you got them. <laughs> That's the bottom line. The clothes on our neck, how did you get them? You know, once in a while, we need to be doing research of our lives. We like to research other people's lives, but you need to do research. You know, I did it once. I discovered that there are many shoes in my house. I borrowed them and they become my own. I had to restitute. Me, Jiwon, Motere one. And I know there are people that resemble me. I want to be gracious. There are many books I saw in my library because I love books. They were now actually my own. I went somewhere, I saw it in somebody. I said, please borrow me. And over a period of time, what did they tell me? They didn't give it to me. I had to return it. If I when I return it to somebody, say I didn't remember. I said, but it's there. Your name is there. I borrowed it. I had to give it back to you. Many of us need to live such lives. Because we used Christianity to tell people. What any? Number 10. Where am I? Okay, you are following me. Okay, God will not ask whether you live in a big house or just one room apartment. But you definitely want to know how you got there and what you did inside the house. Especially when you live in Lagos here. Thank God I'm not a landlord. I'm not a landlord. I woke up from that house to come here this morning. Before when I come here, Twice a year, I come from rented apartments. But now, what you bad you? You are clapping for me. You didn't know how I built a house. You didn't know. Many of us who are landlords, may your house not collapse on you. That's a prayer. How did you build the house? Where did you get the money? I told Reverend this morning, I said, I'm a landlord now. I came from my house. And I told him the story of how I got the money and where I got the money. Many of us can't say that. We can't tell the story. How did you build that? Ah, okay, many years ago, I planted a church somewhere. And uh, it's a little bit far from the city. It's a bushy area by then. It has become a city center now. So we trek to the church. Then we pass some houses. It's a one-room apartment house. They didn't have the money to build the whole house. One day we were passing. And somebody was uh, greeting the woman. Mommy, so this is your new house. It is Fayegbami Street. Uh -uh. I said, Fayegbami? He said, yes. 
God has created space for me. It's better than landlord house. It's my house. Anytime I like, I have the money. I can extend it. I can, I can put my clothes anywhere. It's for a Bami street. Some of us build those kind of houses. But why? We stole somebody's block. Have you? We stole somebody's iron. We stole somebody's cement. And even the laborers, we stole their sweat. And we built a house. If the house collapse one day, you say God is a wicked God. Because either we like it or not, we shall give account of ourselves to God. Even so, either you are living in one room or two bedrooms. You know we Nigerians, we love that. And living in two bedrooms. For your information, that house I packed to. Now one room I did still. Because it's one room that is completed there. But I But no problem. I'm repairing it. When last have I slept in one room with my wife? I fit about the other one. But since three months ago, I have to endure. But I will get out of it. And it's only for here. And if you build a house here, that doesn't mean you build a house already in heaven. So encourage yourself with that. The wise men die. People that live in tenants' house, they die. Even landlords, they die. And if you don't have house, when you die, it's very easy for your either your wife or your husband or your children. Nobody will fight over your property. <laughs> but by all means, God will take you to your house. Amen. And that your image is not born again. Amen. What I'm saying is that. The father you are living in your house eh, does not give you access to heaven. How you build that house, how you lay the foundation, it matters. Where you got the money, God will ask. Are you, are you honest or what? God will ask. He's interested in that. Number four. God will not ask how many people offended you and how many times did they offend you? But he would like to know whether they were truly forgiven from your heart by you, by them. Either you forgave them. You know, it's easy to say, he offended me. I am offended. We take offense in many things. But how forgiving are you? And forgiveness from the heart. Because if you just say, I forgive you. When you see the person, memories will come back. You remember all that they did, all they said against you. In simple matters, you have not forgiven. But when you have truly forgiven from the heart, you will greet the person. Even when you see the fellow, you will remember all that they did against you. It's a fresh start. It's a fresh beginning. In fact, later, so you'll be warning yourself, don't go too much Incidents like that can happen. But you can say, ah, you are forgiven. But your heart, hatred is there. God is, God is interested in that. In fact, in a church, in a fellowship of believers, we will, we will offend each other. And somebody says, it's a church. We should not be doing that. We should be doing it. Because we are not angels. We are human beings. But what will separate us is a forgiving heart. 
that your wife will not offend you. Ah, There will be so many offenses. That's why a lot of marriages are breaking down. Because you put it on love. As if love. Love will not be injured. You'll be offended. If care is not taken, even that person you pronounce, I love you, Toritono. I will love you forever. It's as if she deliberately offends you. Oh, my be me no then she. Oh, my God, be no none. You have to forgive none. Love offends one another. Love injure one another. Yes, sir. If I'm forgiving all the time, will I not be a dullard? No, you'll be a child of God. Because this is our God. You have offended him this morning. But you came here for repentance. And he will forgive you. He will restore you. And in the evening, show. But he will not kill you. So that is love. Sincere love. Genuine love. May the Lord help us. Am I talking to anybody? I'm sorry, it may not be your regular preaching. But that is what I'm commanded to preach. Number, number five. So learn to forgive and forbear. Because if you don't do, you have no friend. You have no friend and two people to live your life with. And you can't live alone. Number five. God will not ask. This one talks to pastors. The numerical strength of your church. But they would like to know the number of souls transformed and brought to heaven by you. In other words, we don't gauge the strength and the spirituality of our church by the numbers. We gauge it. God gauge it by transform lives, transform souls. I can say a lot in that because that's my area of expertise. But I don't need to say that. Pastors will learn that. You want more of that? You read in my books and my tapes and my resources. But the strength of a church is not measured by God, not by human beings. So human beings measure the liveliness, the scripturality, and the grace of God in a church by the numbers. But how many people came? But God put his own tape in the heart. Because there are many people who came to church. May God help us. I think about three days ago, when I got home, I saw my wife watching a program on television. And when I look it, look at that program, there were crowds of people. In fact, they lined up about two kilometers. They were dancing. What was happening? It's the 80th birthday of Mama Idaoza. I was thinking. I didn't talk. But I was thinking. I said, look at, look at this church. Look at what God did. Look at crowds of people. These crowds of people were not there when Idaoza was alive. But because it's a ceremony, a third birthday, come and say line of people, and the announcer will be calling uh, from Edo uh, uh, Bishop Brick. And uh, this one, this one, this one. People came in thousands. Each of them brought gifts for Mama. I love that. But I was thinking, my thinking was far beyond that. Now, oh, I wish all of these people, they are born again. So that when we get to heaven, each one will bring gifts to Jesus. Is it that they are celebrating or the 80th birthday of Mama? How many of them qualify 
Those were thoughts in my heart. I didn't share it with anybody, but those are thoughts in my heart. And when God looks at such occasion, that's what he's interested in. It's not the ceremony. No, the ceremony is good. We are appreciating the woman of God. But at the same time, there's something more important than that. May we not be found wanting. I say, may we not be found wanting. Number what now? Number six. God will not ask whether you are a pastor. But we would like to know whether you are a godly pastor after his own heart. Being a pastor or being a minister is one of, is one of the positions we assume today. Even good old God did not call you. You call yourself. There are many people who call themselves. There are many people who were ordained by church, but God did not ordain them. But I won't say more than that. But you're a pastor. A pastor is a leader. Someone that cares for people. And I can give you 10 qualities or 10 responsibilities of a true pastor. If you want to be a true pastor, you must care for people. Number two, you must nurture people. Number three, you must visit people. Number four, you must sponsor people. Number five, you must recognize the gifts and grace of God in the life of people. Number six, Jesus must be there. Number seven, Holy Ghost must be walking. Number eight, she better fed the ten in Hello. A true pastor is interested in the growth of others. You are free from self. You do things to bless others, to lift others, to grow others, to motivate others, to transform others. You use body, soul, and spirit, soul and spirit, to help others. You forget yourself. You cling to the Lord, and the Lord uses you to grow others. Others climb up through you. That's a true pastor, a true shepherd. Someone who shepherd, who care and nurture people. That's why uh, it is a picture of a sheep that is given. Psalm 23, the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? I shall not want. And etc. That means a shepherd must care for the sheep. As the Lord is caring for us. So if you say you are a pastor, you must be a true pastor. And there are pastors who conduct people, who eat from people, who take advantage of people. Because as a pastor, you use your gift and grace to bless the life of others. And you can get to a point that people, people surrender their life to you. That's why being a pastor, easiest way. If you want to sleep with women, it's very easy. Some will say, Esa, this is my body. It's your body. You can do anything you like with it. Esa, it's you, God, that I want. It is you I want. And you open hair fire for you. And you go to hair fire. And you, your clothes will get burnt along the way. Your future will be ruined along the way. That's why it's good to be a pastor. Because there's so many enjoyment there. And if I see that you people, you people, you are not taking care of me. I can monetize you. I can, I can do whatever so that you can... That's part of being a pastor. Today's pastor, you will not be his pastor. 
You will enjoy here, but you will not enjoy after. But if you want to be a genuine pastor, a sincere pastor, who will do it after God's, God's will, like we are sharing something this morning, in a true church, you don't demand from people. It is the Lord that will put it in people's mind to bring it to you. But my own, if God put it in your mind, you don't come and I meet you on the way, I will punch you. Don't ask me how I know. I will know. Don't let me see your long to you me. Why let you buy a sort of bag borrow? I share this. Number eight. <laughs> God will not ask. Number seven. Okay, God will not ask how many times you preach or how many people you preach to, but you would like to know what spiritual transformation your message brought to people. That's important. For those of us who are becoming ministers, for those of us who are in the training, for those of us whom God is speaking to, please, God wants you to preach a message that will bring transformation to people's life. Look, allow me to say this. Ministering to people is not a secular work. Starting a church or a ministry and sharing the gospel is not all about finance, all about... Uh, Estate, all about properties of this world. No. Our life is a spiritual life. And our journey will end in heaven or in hell. So it's important to talk about spirituality. It may not be welcome out there. It may be downplayed out there by our biggest preachers. But they will soon learn. You learn before they learn. Don't let preachers destroy you. Basically, Christianity is a spiritual life. You have to have relationship with God. And you have to maintain that relationship. God will bless us financially. We will build houses. We will have estate. We will have this. But we are not, we are, those things are not rapturable. When you die, there is no one of them you are taking along. Even this your body, you won't take it along. It's your spirit that will go. Even your mind will not go. So if you are a secular-minded preacher, you are lost already. Read your Bible again and again. Either Old or New Testament. Uh -huh. Your mind. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. You should learn the things of this world. Be renewed in your mind. But it's your spirit that is born again. And that's the godly part of it. And when we die, our body, our mind will go down here. It's your spirit that will go to God. So be careful the preacher you follow. Once they are not reading the Bible, they are, they are misinterpreting. And there are many preachers today. They are children of Satan. But they are just after your money. They are after your gain. And if you submit, they are after your body. They are after your estate. They are after your, what they can gain from you. It's not you that you should gain heaven and be pleasing unto the Lord. That's what is most important. So if you go to any church and listen to every, I ah, like that preacher. Did God like him? Is he preaching God's word? Is he balanced? Because most of us, we follow imbalanced preachers. People that don't speak the truth as it is seen in the Bible. And I hate it. I hate it. When they focus on spiritual things, that's the devil speaking from you. When you see a church or a minister that focuses on your spiritual life, how to please God, how to do the will of God, how to live a clean, moral, godly life, how not to be a thief, and how not to just acquire things, and you don't acquire Jesus, you should lose those preachers. So they may not matter today to you. But they are for your eternity. May God count us worthy.
Thank you for enduring with me. Number, number eight. God will not ask whether you are a millionaire or you have too little money, but you will want to know what you did to get the money and what you did with the monies. Hello? The money we have doesn't matter. You might be a millionaire and you can be a thousandaire. But God is more interested. How did you get the money? And what did you do with the money? What is the source of that money? Either you get it from Satan or you get it from God. For a long time, God has made me to understand that. Someone say, it doesn't matter. Just go and pay your tithes and give your money in church. I don't hear. Human being can collect it from you, but that doesn't mean God collected it from you. Human being, or so-called pastors, or bishop, or reverend, they can collect your stolen money, but that doesn't mean heaven recorded it for you. You must live a clean life. How you get money must be clean. And you say, how is that possible? SIS money is possible. I'm a living witness to that. When fear comes to my heart, that something will happen. One of the things I do, I say, I didn't do anything with stolen money. I make sure I paid all the debt I own before. And I make sure people's money doesn't touch my hand. That you didn't say. Um, I have a problem with my wife in that area. Because she's selling some things and they will pay to my account. And she'll be asking, my money, Monikilo de Ghana. Ah, what's the problem? They saw your account, they paid to my account. Uh -huh. What is the problem is I say you, you give me my money. I say they didn't write your name in that currency. My look, but you, but I will pay later. If I don't tell you, I will pay you. <laughs> Hello. In other words, even if it's your wife's money or your husband's money, if he didn't give you permission, you are not entitled to take it. If you do, you are a thief. I know that's problematic, but that's the whole truth. Nothing but the truth. He pay your dowry and give you upkeep money. Any other one you took that you are not permitted, madam, you are a thief. It's from the pulpit I said that. And I'm not saying it as a bachelor. I'm saying it as a married person for 33 years. Apparently not in She went Jesu, Jesu so we are allowed to repent. When I get home today, and I always forgive. Don't do it again. You will explain. The Lord bless you. Those of you that are laughing, I think you are found in that sin. May God forgive you. Uh, whatever belongs to my partner it, does, it belongs to me they didn't write your name there let them give it to you willingly or if it is us men and uh, whatever belongs to my wife also belongs to me who says that? it's your own <laughs> when I finish you will come to the altar <laughs> you know that's what we use but the truth is this Whatever you are not given, 
If you take it, you are what? That's a simple principle. It's better to say, please, dear, or love, or wanting thing, or body, or whatever. I want to take so-so amount. Take that exact amount. He release it willingly. And don't take beyond that. If you don't want condemnation and guilty conscience. Men may not accuse you, but God will accuse you. That you were not given. Number what now? You are seeing nine. I'm already in eleven. So how you get the money matters a lot. It what? A brother. A brother. In fact, we were in the prayer meeting together in, a, in the church where I was a member. We prayed together. And that brother is the first one that did church wedding in our church. Out of about 400 members by then. I'm telling you the story of late 80s, early 90s. He works in a company at a papa. That company is owned by the Briton, the British. The Yorubas there, who were the leaders of that company, they did juju to that Briton. And they took him to an hotel and gave him something to drink. And he became leprous. And they quickly put him in an aircraft, British Airways, to London. He died inside the aircraft. What is the plan? They want to take over the company. About three, four of them. Then, from the home office, they send the son of that director. He came. They work on him. They play with him. They took him to an hotel. They gave him the same drug, poison drink. He didn't die. But he lost his feet. He lost his leg. He became leprous also. They quickly put him in the aircraft back to London. And they wrote letters that they don't like the sequence of events happening to their churches, I mean to their company and their directors in Nigeria, that the Nigerians should take over. And the Nigerians took over the company. This brother was a driver, the number one driver of that company. He was not part of the meeting. He was just a driver. And we live in the same house. And he's the one that first married in our church. We were in the same prayer meeting. He's not a thief. But while he's driving, I remember the car by then. It's a 305. Pigeon 305. He will be driving. They'll be discussing in whose tones at the back. Sometimes the breeze will blow what they are saying. And they will ask him questions. He said, Yes. I know I didn't hear anything. And they say, You hear. You hear. We want to take over the company. When we take over now, we'll become the director and we can make you the ship driver. He said, No, he's not interested. But they planned for him. It was at Penn Cinema there. They gone him down. Yes. 
That company has closed down today. And those directors, they are in prison. It's what they did that catch up with them. And there are so many, after we don't know that, we'll come and pay tithe in church. We'll come and pay offering in church. We'll come and do this. God will honor your tithe and your offering if you do it with a transformed heart and with a repentance heart and with restitution life. But when you forget the fast, eh, God has forgotten all that. Human being, don't forget to. The final one. Number what now? Number nine, thank you. God will not ask where you meet people, but you would like to know where you left them. As a leader, as a minister, as a mother, as a father, as a friend. Where you meet people doesn't matter. Where you left them and how you left them is what matters. Did you leave them with unforgiving spirit and with bitterness, with envy and jealousy? Or you let them worse, more evil than when you met them? In other words, God is interested in your contribution to other people's life. How did you contribute your life? What meaning does it have to that person, to that man, to that woman? Did you make him or her a better person? Or you let them worse than who they were? When you met them, it's important. It's what God will ask from you. He will also ask from me. That's why. May God help us. Don't let me say that. That's why you must live a sacrificial life. Any relationship get involved with. No relationship get, get, get. I want to make him dry. I want to do what I need to do. I want to get my own portion before he becomes poor. Ah! May God forgive you. God will know us. That's number 10. How handsome, how beautiful, how tall, how short, how black or white you are. But we would like to know what you did with who you are and what you are. Even that level you, go, you say you have got to. How did you get there? Is it by bribery? Is it by connection? Is it by corruption? You say Nigeria is corrupt. You unko? May God help us. Number 11. God will know as the number of trips you make abroad. But would like to know what you went to do and how fruitful for his kingdom they were. Some of us we boast, we brag. I travel out this year. Thank God. What did you went to do? And where did you go? How did you get the ticket? <laughs> May God help us. There are some people, they didn't travel out, but they will travel to heaven. And they will arrive safely without condemnation. And those of us that travel out, only God knows the evil we go to do. Only God. Because it's one of our boasting and bragging comments. I travel out. As things are expensive, I travel. We thank God. As if those places are heaven. They are not heaven, no. They are not heaven. They are inhabited by human beings like you and I. And they have their own challenges also. They may not have challenges with Ifa, with Shogu, with Ogu, with bad roads, with all those things. Irito and Conan here. But it's also art. It's not heaven yet. 
So either you travel or not, it's a good vision. But the best travel is travel to heaven, to get to heaven. That's the most and the best travel. What you do when you travel? <laughs> and God help us. I can tell stories over, it's enough. Number 12. God will not ask the number of cars you had. But we'd like to know how you get them and whether you use them for his glory or for your personal aggrandizement. We thank God for our cars. We thank God for providing for them for us. But the question is, how did you get them? You shit people? Do you injure people? Did you stole them? We'd like to know. Answer in your heart. And do you use them for his glory or just for show off? Thank God. Well, it's so expensive today that uh, people don't ride cars like before because they count the cost. Even that small car I'm riding, before if I fill the tank, 12,000 from Lagos to Ibadan, I'll get there. And it will still be on half tank, only quarter to half. By the time I return back to Lagos, half tank. But today, if I'm going to Ibadan, I have to buy 55,000. Yes. If I'm going to Osho State, Ikeji Arakeji, yes. I'll buy a tank of 55,000. And by the time I get there, <laughs> I have to refill to come back. Church, then you want to your lower. So I have to decide at home. Boya Manlo, Abimi, Nilo. You are blessed. Number what now? Number 13. God will not ask how anointed you are and where you get the anointing. But we would like to know your character with the anointing. So many people are anointed, but they lack godly character. They are loose. They are louse. And they behave in such a way that doesn't bring glory to God. Why? I am anointed. Because I'm anointed. Give me your chest. I have anointing you on your lawyer. I have anointing you. We use anointing to do a lot of evil things. Things that God is against. But we say it's anointed. And there are churches you go to. Those of you that crisscross churches for prayers are you are blessed I know you are angry with me but no problem either you are angry or not I will soon live here God will not ask how many the number of vows and promises you make but we would like to know whether you keep them and redeem those promises and pledges. Number 16. God will not ask who cheated or offended you. But we'd like to know how forgiving is your heart. I've come to understand. If you are a human being, thou shalt be cheated. If you are a Christian, thou shalt be offended. But that's okay. But God wants to know how forgiving and forbearing your heart is. 
Either you read people's offense against you, what they said against you, even the way they look at you, or the way they didn't respect you, they didn't honor you. Either you count that. You would like to know. Because if you are if you are keeping scores of offenses, I'm sure you will not make heaven. Life is process of forgiving and forbearing. But if you don't practice that, I once you offended, offend me, you are not my friend. Once you speak against me, I will never talk to you. Only you did all. You have to forgive and forget. What makes a lot of people grumpy is that there are many people they didn't forget. They didn't forgive. They didn't forbear. He spoke against me. He didn't like me. He looked at me. He used his eyes to winch me. It's normal in life. If you are black, people will winch you. If you are yellow, you are good for winchy. If you are fat, ah, winchy more poor bad, And if you are slim, ah, you are going to focus on winchy. Everything. If you smile too much, you, you are winchyable. And if you wear your problem on your face all the time, they greet you, hmm, 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 ah, they winchy you very well. You are blessed. I say you are blessed. God will not ask how talented or how gifted you are. But we like to know how faithful, how honest, how sincere in your gift usage. In a church fellowship, we are gifted, we are anointed. In fact, I said it once that in church, we don't need gifted children program. Because federal government was trying to do that. There was a minister of education who was proposing gifted children program. I say that program is for government. It's not for church. In church, we are all gifted. The only problem is that many of us have not recognized our area of gifting. And we don't work according to our gifting. That's why there's envy and jealousy in the church. In the heart, new, it's not in the open. But in church, we don't need gifted children because all of us are what? We are gifted. The only challenge is that I've not discovered my gift. You have not discovered your own. Or you discover your own. I discover my own. We are trying to do competition. We are trying to outdo each other. And we don't need that in the church of God. Because God is the rewarder of those who are faithful. Those who use their gifts sincerely. That's who we should place. Hello? But we like to know how faithful we are. Without little that he gave to us. If you remember the Bible story, somebody was given two talents. Somebody was given one talent. Somebody was given three talents. Somebody was given five talents. If you see what run through, is their faithfulness. The one who had five, he walked with that five and gained another five. Walk two, walk with that two and gain another two. Without looking at anybody. Third one, he never used it. He said, God, you downgrade me. You forget me. And hey, firstly, out of victory, you gave one five. You gave one two. You gave me only one. My dear, shameful, you. That one, I will not use it. I'll go and hide it. I know you will ask it. You ask of when you come, I'll give back your one. You remember that that was his thoughts. And God knew his thoughts. And when the Lord came, because it was, there will be a day of recompense. And like I'm sharing with you this morning, there will be a day that God will ask all these things from each and every one of us. And it will be an open show. And your records will be there. Everybody will see. You can't lie. 
because you are not given, you will not be given chance to talk that day. It will have automated your mouth. Oh my Mirina, let's stand up on our feet. May you not be found wanting. I can't hear your amen. I can't hear your amen. amen. The last one is that God will not ask how valuable your life is. But he would like to know whether you place the same value on the life of others. Some of us, we value our life, our time, our talent, our gifting, our personality. We honor ourselves. We respect ourselves. And if anybody wants to place little value on you, look at them. You can sort of see me anyhow. You place great value on yourself. But you like to know, did you place the same value on the life of others? You are valuable. I'm a valuable person. I don't deal with riffraff. I know my upbringing. And I value myself. Did you place the same value on others? Because you were not born the same place, the same town, and you hear their stories. As if uh, they are little lower than you. No. We are all human beings. We are all the creatures of God. Our background, where we come from, doesn't matter. And whoever we are, either you are a sinner or you are a saint, either you are repenting, either you are rising and falling, God placed great value on you. That's why he sent his son to die for you. And he expects you to put value on others. As you value yourself, you respect yourself, you honor yourself, let's honor others. Let's respect others. I'm not a freeborn. I was a prince. Put others in that priesthood also. Raise up your right hand. Give me grace. Not to fall short of your expectation. Give me grace to value others, to respect others, to do your will, to walk in your way, to do that quick glorify you, to live a life that pleases you. Help me, Lord. Have mercy on me. Strengthen me by your grace. Can you open your mouth and pray?